Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles today to Proverbs 3, 5 through 10. We're talking on finances. We're talking about money. Really, we're talking about money with a purpose. Money without a purpose is simply money misused, especially in the believer's hand. Now, money in the sinner's hands, we know, is going to promote sin and its dominance in that individual's life, as well as increase or spread the uh, kingdom of darkness. So today, we're going to continue talking about money. Now, I know that religious people and, and lots of Christians, and uh, I'm probably Pentecostals too, just get hacked at money. But money is the very heart of who you are. You think it's not, but it is. You spend more time working for it, more time protecting it, more time trying to get it increased, more time trying to keep what you've got than you do anything else in life. You will neglect your family and end up in divorce, but you'll have money in your pocket. Money is a great thing to have, but it's a terrible thing to be bound by. Now, in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct thy paths. Now, don't be wise, which is the basis of all trust. If you know what is the wise thing to do, you will trust it. You will commit yourself to it. And it says not to be wise in thine own eyes. And when you, re, when you separate yourself from your own wisdom, then you establish a higher realm of wisdom, which is the wisdom of God, which is the reverence of God or a fear of God and, or putting God first, honoring God giving him his rightful due. And it says, and depart from evil. Now it should be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy wine presses burst out with new wine. There are in the kingdom laws of wisdom and in the kingdom of darkness there are laws of foolishness now the world lives accepts and is totally persuaded that the law of the kingdom of darkness is right the problem is is that the church gets sucked in to believing what the world believes but we are to live out of a wisdom that seems to be foolish to men. And that is the wisdom of God. Could I have Deuteronomy 4, verse 4? Deuteronomy chapter 4 and 4 through 6 on this screen. So when we start looking in the scriptures and we start seeing that there is a substance and there is a first fruits, we, because we have looked at the scriptures, understand that he's talking about two things. He's talking about the first fruit. 
every wise man prioritizes God first in his life. Wisdom is the beginning of the fear of the Lord, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. They are inseparable. So when it says that we honor him with our first fruits, it talks about the man that is wise establishes God priority in his life. Now, sometimes we put God third or fourth, but the problem with doing that means this. It means that you may have God, but God certainly doesn't have you. God, you may have God, but God doesn't have you. Does anybody remember a man named Abraham? He was a man of, of, of great wealth. And he crossed over from the land of Ur, went into a land that he did not know that existed. And he went on with the promise that God would bless him and wherever his foot went, he would be blessed. He honored God with his tithe. He honored God with the acknowledgement that he was his source. And Abraham had God. But God never really had Abraham until he put Isaac on the altar. And some of you got those little idols called Isaacs in your life. You've got God, but God doesn't have you. Now the problem with that is you're clinging on to God. But if God gets a hold of you, you'll be in the palm of his hand. And then it says this, but ye that did cleave, that did, ye that. You know that there are those that are in the kingdom and in the nation of Israel that have come out of Egypt that have God, but God doesn't have them. We discovered that last week in Exodus when God said, take an offering of those that are willing. And then it says that when they returned to the Lord, those who had a willing heart, in other words, there was a portion of the nation of Israel that simply refused to let go of what God had given them. They had God, but God did not have them. And then it says this, Cleave unto the Lord your God are alive every one of you this day. Notice that those that cleave to God, those that do things God's way, live through tragedies and live no matter what life throws at them. Those that don't simply lose their grip on God. And then it says this, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord thy God commanded me, and that ye should do so in the land whither you go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them for, for, for. This is your wisdom. What made these a wise people? They did what God told them to do. Amen? They did things God's way. And it says, for this is your wisdom. You want to be wise, do it God's way. And your understanding in the sight of the nations. Now other nations are not doing that. They live in a kingdom of darkness and they're fools. And then it says this, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Now notice that nations will say that of them, but the nations never do them. 
See, there are people in the kingdom that say God is wise, yet they always live like a fool in the kingdom of wisdom. And it needs to transform itself. We need to live the way that God wants us to live. Now, let me talk to you about a few things and we're going to get into the message. In the, in the world of the kingdom that we live in, God expects two things. He expects, number one, that you honor him and put him first priority in your life. I make no apologies. And if, you know, if you're struggling, I understand. If you are totally indebted and you can't tithe, you know what? That's between you and God. I have no cause in that. God sees the heart. and The Bible says, first there must be a willingness of heart before there can be a performance of that which you desire to do. So in other words, you could be a tither, but I mean, want to be a tither and, and just not have no money. You would not, how could you be a tither? You might be a tither and before you come into the kingdom of God, you were foolish and you stretched yourself or because of circumstances, you came to the place that you don't have enough to tithe because you're living from uh, week to week or month to month. You know what? You have a willingness of heart. I wouldn't condemn you for that. Some people would say, well, they ought to just pay tithes anyway. Well, how about you just do what you want to do and let God's other donkeys do what they want to do. Amen. Amen. There's lots of donkeys on the post. They only tie untied one. So you just make sure you wait for your time to get untied. Okay. Now, then we have to understand that God asked us to honor him with his substance. The substance is that which is left over after our obligations of living in this world. And that has everything to do with taxes. It has everything to do with uh, paying our bills and so forth. Somebody said, I'm totally out of debt. You've never been totally out of debt. Oh, yes, I am, really. You owe the electric bill before you ever pay it. Don't tell me you're out of debt. You aren't out of debt. Well, well you know, look, there are some things that are not considered debt. They're investments. Yeah, so let, let's just not go that everybody wants to be debt-free. And if you're debt-free and don't do any more than for the kingdom than you did before, what was your great trophy? No. So, then God asked us to honor him with his substance. This is where the responsibility of the believer comes in to running the house of God. In the substance that we have, there is contained several things that the church is obligated to fulfill. And when I say church, I'm talking about human beings. Pews don't give and pews don't tithe. Tithe and giving buys pews. Okay. Now, one of the things that comes out of our substance is alms. We're going to talk about today. Somebody say alms. Another thing that comes out of our substance are vows. Somebody say vows. Also out of our substance comes the support of those that labor among us. Somebody say salaries. Yeah. And then for guest speakers and outreaches that are connected to the church. Somebody say guest speakers. And outreaches that are connected to the church. Okay, so those areas are our responsibility 
besides our tithe and offering. So we're going to discuss those things today. But before we do, let's go down and let's look at uh, Luke, the 12th chapter. Let's go to Luke, the 12th chapter, and we're going to look at verse 13. Luke 12, 13. And I'm going, I'm going to show you why I felt led of the Lord to preach on money, to teach on money, instruct you in money, is because how many of you know that the devil is after your relationship with God? That comes from the heart, a recreated heart, and the renewed mind or the transformed soul. That's in Ephesians 4, 17 through verse 24. So those two have to be protected. Now, some of us would say, well, I'm just going to resist the devil, and I'm going to do I, I understand that. But you really have to be able to raise a standard that God has given you. God needs to be involved in your fight and not your own efforts. Now, in Luke, the 12th chapter and verse 13 it says this, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divideth the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Well, where does life consist? Where does it exist? Where does life exist? It exists in what you do with your possessions. Remember the rich man that came to Jesus? And he said, I've done everything that the commandment has said. And Jesus said, really? You just missed one important thing that the commandment told you to do. Was to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your mind, your body, and your soul, your strength. But what you did was exclude that. And you stopped serving God and you started determining what you would do with what God had given you. And, Je and the man said, what must I do to have life? Jesus said, didn't say, hey, you already got it. You kept the Ten Commandments. He said, no, you need to go and sell everything you have. Why? Because life and eternity does not exist in you having things. It exists in what you do with what you have. To prove that, the disciples said this. Jesus, we've left everything. Homes, mothers, brothers. Jesus said, nobody's left anything for my sake that you'll not receive it in this world with persecutions and you're going to receive a hundredfold and in the life hereafter, what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Now, I know that some of you are saying, now, now, Pastor, I just don't believe that. Well, now, now, Pastor, just read those verses. It is the truth. See, we have never allowed the heart of the church to be connected with God. I'm going to explain that to you in just a moment. So we understand that this man here says that it doesn't consist. How does it consist? It consists in what you do with what you have. If you have little, you're expected to do little. If you have much, you're expected to do much. 
Amen. All right. And it says this, and in verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, This ground of a certain man, rich man, brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room for where to bestow my fruits? Notice the exclusion of God. And it says this, And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns. I will build greater, and there I will bestow my, all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And, but God said unto him, Thou fool, Thou for this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth, that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, what was he talking about? Is he talking about just his talents or his uh, gifts that he's supposed to use for God? Or is he talking about money? Don't be afraid to say it. Money. He's talking about money. Wheat, oats, coins, corn, soybeans, cotton. These are all commerce products that produce money. He was laying up for himself. He was resting. He really was pulling back from being the servant of God. And he was establishing that he was going to take his own rest. God said, you know what? We're going to see who those things were supposed to be because they were not yours. They were mine. And so we understand that finances, money, establishes treasures. Somebody say treasures in heaven. Establishes treasures in heaven. Matthew 19 and verse 16. Matthew 19 and 16. Now, the reason I'm going so slow, because I know that half your minds are going backwards. See, we think it's impossible. In other words, we think that if we distribute what God asks us to distribute, that we're going to end up on the losing stick. That's the thinking of the world. Nobody can be rich towards God and be poor in life. All right, Matthew 19 and verse 16. And behold, one called and said unto him, Hey, good master, what good thing shall I do that I might inherit or have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which one? Jesus said, Thou shalt uh, do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man said unto him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what lack I yet? Notice what Jesus says. And he said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect. Remember we talked last week about when you give, God increases the fruits of your righteousness. See, it's God that is at work in us, bringing to pass his will and his purpose. Jesus said, so you want to be perfect. You want to be the man that God can't 
or the devil can't find any doorways into, this is what you need to do. You need to take what you have and you need to go and sell it and give to the poor and then thou shalt have what? What? Have what? And come and follow me. But the young man chose to keep a treasureless position in heaven. In heaven. How do we put treasures in heaven? Oh, we worship God and we sing and we... No, no, no. Sorry, that's not in the Bible. But it ought to be. (laughs) Yeah, in the social worldly Bible, it probably should. But you notice that this doesn't have any revised editions on it. It's the only book and only word in the world that doesn't change. Dictionaries add ain't. Dictionaries add words are revived all the time. Laws are revived. But the God and his word are never revived. So we just need to understand if God said it, it's said. And the only way that you can lay up treasures in heaven is to use finances for the kingdom. I didn't write that. Jesus wrote this book. It's not mine. Not mine. This is God's word. Amen? Now, we want to be wise. Now, let's take uh, scriptures over to, uh, wow. Let's go to Matthew 6.24. Some of these scriptures are really tough when it talks about money. Matthew 6.24 says this. No man can serve two masters. Notice that there are two masters in this world. One is God and one is mammon. Now the word mammon simply means money. And it means a money, something solid that is turned and reshaped into an idol. So money becomes an idol between man and God. And so it says here that no man can serve two masters, for either he will control them both and be blessed. And No, no, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and hold on to your money. But, but I, I want to be rich. Nobody said you can't be rich. You just can't keep God from having access to what he's put into your hand. See, if you're going to go around saying, God bless me, I'm blessed from the head and top of my toe. Hey, praise God. I'm blessed going in, blessed going out. And then you control what God does with your money? You're a hypocrite. Let's move right along. Look at your neighbor and say, this gets better. It ends. Yeah, hallelujah. All right. Now, having said this, let's get into some real heartfelt issues. Let's go to Luke 7.1. Luke 7.1. 
These are things that, you know, we just never hear preached in the church because the church just gets, they bite their tongue. I mean, they just sit there and wallow it around and bite it. And I know some of you want to get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. Go home and cuss God, do whatever you want. But it's not me. It's not me. Absolutely, don't get mad at me. I didn't do it and didn't write it. It's as surprising to me as it is to you. Luke 7, 1, and it says this. Now, when he had ended his saying in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and there a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he had heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him in instantly, saying that he was worthy. In other words, he has a great weight in the kingdom of God. He has great weight with God. What's this? For whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. How was this man's love expressed? By what? Giving. Now, all the religious people take a deep breath. Then all the rest Pentecostals take a deep breath. Because I'm about to say something that this word just said that most of us don't want to hear. Your treasure is what you put money towards. That's what you count valuable. That's what you're going to fight for in your life. That's what you're going to protect in your life. And that's what you're going to be rewarded for in your life. And then it says this. He loves our nation because he has given. Do you know that you're giving? And he's not the first guy that did. Cornelius gave and got God's attention and God brought salvation to Cornelius' life. In other words, Cornelius had lots of clout with God because of his giving. This man has lots of clout, but more so than that, he has loved those whom God loves. So, love is a part of our giving, and giving is an expression of our love. Yeah, I know. It's just hard to say, praise the Lord. It's even hard to think he's right. Isn't it? Because our carnal minds don't want to do this. I'm not being mean. But see, this, look, this should make us shout just as much as anything else makes us shout. The problem is, this is where our deepest bondages of fullness of surrender and commitment to God are hindered. Right here. And I will say this, Membership Sunday, I think, is next week. And I realize that 
Not many people are going to be stumbling in. But I really don't care. I don't belong to people. I'm your pastor, but I do belong to the shepherd of us all. Amen. And so, what did Jesus say? Jesus said this. Now, listen to what Jesus says. He says in John 14, 21, 23, 24, If a man has my commandments, walks in my ways, keeps my statutes, then it is he who loves me. And if he loves me, then my Father will love him. In other words, God loves people that love him. Not that God did not provide salvation for, for everyone because he loved them. But sinners do not express or experience the love of God because they don't love God. Could I get an amen? Okay, good. Thank God you're with me. And so Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, walk in my ways and my statutes, then you love me and my Father will love you. Can we or do we keep his commandments when it talks about laying up for treasures in heaven? Do we keep the commandments when it says, you know what? Use your finances, touch the poor, you'll have eternal life. Now, I didn't make this stuff up. It's in here. It's just in here. This is real. This is real life. This is real Christianity. Oh, I thought, no, no, I thought it was pushed the button. No, you thought you have God, but God doesn't have you. That's what people want. No, you can't have God and have him wholeheartedly without him having you. So we see that Jesus said, here's, here's even what Jesus said. He said, if a brother or sister comes to you and you have this earthly world's earthly goods, now you know that God has supplied them to you and you got them in your hands and he has a need and you turn him away, Show me one speck of the love of God that really exists in you. See, we really don't have love for God if we are not doing what God asks us to do in the kingdom. This is not a kingdom that God made for us to rule and us to boss around. We get to redefine the laws of the kingdom. We get to redefine where we're comfortable that's kind of like saying, well, you know, we have all these people that are complaining that they don't have a place in the body of Christ because they're homosexuals or they're lesbians. So we're going to change the Bible. Now, a whole lot of you would get mad. If I brought into this pulpit next week, a man that was a homosexual, actively living it, and he began to preach and he told you what he was and who he was and what he believed, you would be irate and insulted with that type of my bending of the Holy Scriptures. And you would think, how dare him? You go right down the road, which you should. But the problem, you go right down the road, 
to a church that has already bent the rules so you're happy in it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. We are notorious for defining and redefining God's will because we don't like it. And it's time to stop it and own up and either give ourselves to God or take ourselves away from God. Either we're in or we're out. There was a, I, I met these two people yesterday and about three years ago, the wife came to the husband and she said, Honey, we got to work on our marriage. He said, I, I, I don't want our marriage to be any better. I'm, I just, I'm just not interested. She said, Honey, do, do you love me more than anything? And he said, No. There are a whole lot of people in this church that believe that they shouldn't love their spouse above their self. And that they have opportunities to love their children more than they love their spouse. That's what this man said. I love my kids more than you. He said that to her. So, about a month ago, three years later, she tells him, I want a divorce. He then says, oh, wait, let's work on it. She said, no, 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 no. I gave you a chance to work on it when my heart was available. My heart, when you told me and rejected me, I disconnected from you, and I made a covenant with my future, and you are not in it. You remember? Have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not done this in thy name? Depart from me. There's not even a treasure up here with your name on it. And you have never loved me at all. We're all, we all want to be like that guy. Oh, I want to work on it now. Too late. We have an opportunity right now to establish the covenant with the bridegroom. We love you. We can fill our lamps. We can trim our wicks. And we can get ready for the appearing of Jesus Christ. But it's not going to be a half-hearted church. He's coming back for a glorious church. A holy church. A church that has been washed in His Word. A church that has been prepared for Him in His inauguration. It's Jesus that is Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. I would like to say this is a church-building message. Probably a church-thinning message. But you know what? I, I, just, I just cannot. I just cannot. I wish I had a flowery tongue. I wish I had a tongue that dripped like honey and you went out of here like a bunch of sticky bees. But I, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm interested in going to heaven, and I want to take as many people to heaven as I can. And I'm not preaching anything to you that I'm not adjusting my life and setting in as concrete post. For I'm running the same race that you're running. 
And I am seeking to obtain the same goal that you are obtaining. Hallelujah. All right, let's turn our Bibles. Praise God. Whew, thank God that's over. Let's, let's go to uh, Acts 10.1. Acts 10.1. This is Cornelius. We all know the, the story, but we'll read it. And it says, And there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God. With all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Well, we certainly see that there's a treasure there. We certainly see that there's love there. And we certainly see that there is a pattern of prayer there. And he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, when he had looked upon him, he was afraid and he said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up as a memorial before God. Somebody say, Our giving has as much faith behind it as our prayer life. It touches heaven as much as our prayer life. And then it says this. Uh, Thy prayers and alms come up before a memorial. In other words, there, there was something being built that God could not erase. There's a memory, remembrance of Cornelius' devotion, his place of treasury, and his love towards God is a constant reminder. And it says, And now send men to Joppa, call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spoken to Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a, uh, a household servant and devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. Our alms, our giving to the things of the kingdom, which have to do with ministering to the poor, carrying out outreach. That's what it is. Carrying out outreach, extending our self to unveil God to a lost world. This is alms. It reveals that he feared God. How can we establish a reverence for God that helps govern our life? By being participants of giving in outreachers that reach to the world. Did you hear what I just said? The fear of the Lord. How it has so dimmed in many churches. Let us not let it dim here. Amen? And so we understand that he was dutiful. He was faithful. He was influenced. And he did influence God himself. He has a fear of the Lord. His whole house is affected because of his giving of vows, of, of uh, alms, ministering to people that are poor, people that are poor spiritually as well as physically. 
And he was behind that. And he supported that in the synagogues. And he had great favor with God. Great favor. Now let's go to Acts 5.1. Acts 5.1, which we know the outcome, and all of us hate this. We know that, I don't know why God did this once. You think he would ever do it again? Yes, yes. Somebody said, well, God doesn't curse people. <laughs> no, but in here, he killed them. Yeah. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife sold a possession, kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said to Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? So now we know who is involved in causing people not to be involved in giving. It is the devil. And keep back part of the price of the land. Whilst it remained, was it not in thine own? Was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not still in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men but unto the Holy Ghost. And it says, And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon all them that heard these sayings. I wonder where Cornel, I mean Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira ended up. You think they went to heaven? Once saved, always saved. I don't think they went to heaven. I don't think God's killing people he likes. One time uh, there was a man uh, getting ready to pass away and I was spending time with him and I said, you know, I don't want to do your funeral. He said, well, why not, Pastor? I've been a member for years. I said, no, no, it's not like that. I, I just don't want to bury you. I said, now I got lots of people I know in the world that I want to do their funerals. And I don't know why God hasn't consulted me. I have lots of people I could refer to him for sudden death. But God never asked me. So I don't have an input. What is this that's taking place right here? This is a vow. Somebody say a vow. A vow is a voluntary offering of something that is above and beyond your tithe. The tithe is a tenth of every believer's income. It is the first fruits that establishes that God is a priority of your life. But vows are things that you have in your hands that you voluntarily commit to the use of God. Now, when Ananias sold the land, he probably said something like this. Don't hold me to it, but I'm just imagining it was in your power, it was in your hand, was it in, in your choice? What he probably did was sold a piece of land and said, if I sell this land for so much, I'm going to give this much. And so it sold for that much. But Ananias and Sapphira is looking at the abundance of it, thinking, wow, look at this bundle of money we made, baby. Well, they took some of it back for themselves. They could have kept it all. 
It's just that you can't vow to do something for God and then renege on your vow. And if you have, I don't think God's going to kill you in the parking lot. I don't think he'll kill you at Fuji's or at Long John Silver's. I, no, I think you should repent. Because it may open the door for the devil because if he got to your covenant with God once, he may get it again. Yes. So we see that vows are voluntary. Somebody say voluntary. So we want to make sure that if we make a covenant or vow with God for something, God, if you do this, and God, if this comes to pass, then I'll do this for you, then you want to make sure that you honor that, that you honor, that you keep that in your spirit. Now let's go to Galatians 6. Quick, quick. I really don't want to come back here. I'm telling you, I just can't take the silence that you folks give me. I, I, I feel like I'm in a Methodist church that's right next door to the Catholic church that's, that's renting off of the Episcopalian church. And I, good Lord, death produces death into death. And I just can't stand it. My gosh, hallelujah. If you preach to somebody that, hey, God's going to set you free today to live for Jesus without any fear, confidence that God's going to see you through, people usually shout. But I'm preaching to you wholehearted service to God, and it's like bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We're all dying. Can't you give us a little peace? Bring no, all right. Now, Galatians 6, 6, hallelujah. I was going to be a songwriter, but God called me to the ministry. And it says this, let him that is taught in the word communicate. That word communicate means to share. It means to distribute. It means to be a partner with. And it says to communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. In other words, it simply says this. A man that is laboring and toiling and preaching to us in the Word of God, then we are in partnership with him. And he shares what God blesses us with. He is be bestowed and honored with blessing. Hallelujah. Now let's go to... It's tough. Philippians 4.10 can I have that on the screen? Philippians 4, 10 through 19. And it says this, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were so careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of one. I have learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full, to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Notwithstanding you have done well that you did communicate, share, give, take upon you the distribution of your goods for me to do or fulfill my affliction, which is the labor of the kingdom. 
Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed to Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. Notice, stop right there. No church. No church. Every church is supposed to be actively supporting the ministries that are recognized by their church. Every, every, min, every church, we send people out, we expect them to do, but we send them out with pennies. But here, Paul says, look, in this supporting of the gospel, there is not only your giving, your support, but there is a thing that God transitions and gives back to you. There is a giving and receiving. Next verse. And even I, and even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. No outreach should have necessity. Let me say this. It is not just one person's responsibility. It is every person in a church responsibility. Everybody's. Amen. Now, uh, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound unto your what? Remember, God's keeping record. He's building memorials, and he's laying aside treasures that are attributed to you. And then it says this, but I have all, I abound, I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent unto you, an odor, a sweet, uh, sweet smell, a sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. Notice what it is. God understands it. It's a sacrifice. But it's what Christians do. We believe in the kingdom. Acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Watch this. But my God shall meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. If the conditions are met. If we wholeheartedly express our love for the things of the kingdom, then God loves us. I'm not making those things up. One more scripture and we're going home. Somebody say, thank God. I was just kidding. I expected nobody to say that. First Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Hallelujah. And I said the sixth verse, I believe. First Corinthians, I've got to find it here. I've got it wrote somewhere. First Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse three. Verse three. And it says, Mine answer to them that do examine me. In other words, Paul's under scrutiny of the church. Under scrutiny of believers. He says, this is my answer to them. Next verse. Have we not power to eat and to drink? See, some people don't think that people that work in the ministry should live like they live. They want preachers to have shiny suits because they're about to wear out. Cornbread and beans every night. Worn out shoes, broken down cars. Look, we are not to live any different than you. But our inheritance is to come from the people of the kingdom because we are forbidden to have an inheritance from the world. The people in the kingdom get an inheritance from the world. The people that labor in the kingdom for those people get their inheritance from them. 
All right, let's go to the next verse. Have we not power to lead about a sister and a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? And it says, Or I only and Barnabas, have we not power to forbear working? It says, Who goeth to war at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard? Who eateth not of the fruit thereof? Who feedeth the flock? Who eateth not of the milk of the flock? Stay right there. Do you know that I am in a lead of a war for your soul? The Bible says I watch for your soul. I am a battle for your soul. I right now, today, not on my own, but I'm on a prolonged fast for people in our church because they're fighting sickness and disease. And I just do not have the heart to watch them fight alone. I just, I can't. I just can't do it. I can't do it. And then it says this. Planteth the vineyard. Do you know that I'm sowing seeds in you right now? I'm sowing seeds in you. I'm pulling weeds in you. And some of you are getting weedy and stiff right now. Yeah. And then it says, do you know that I'm producing fruit? Do you know that I'm feeding a flock? And you're becoming abundant in order to put out milk, to minister to other people that are coming into the kingdom, that they can drink the sincere milk of the word, that they can grow. Now, I hate to say this, without me, those things are not going to happen. Oh, I, I heard, that, yeah, listen, you carnal devil, it's not going to happen. Don't think you're smarter than God. You're, you're not smarter than God. God has set up the system. Two women think they don't need a man to have a baby. <laughs> really? Two men think they should have a baby. Ha! Huh. No, it's God's system, not your system. Next verse. Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law... Anybody know what the law is? The law is the revelation of what is sin and what is not. All unrighteousness is a violation of the law, and he that transgresses the law transgresses God and commits sin. And if we do not do these things, we are breaking the law. Next verse. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the oxen that treadeth out the corn, doth God take care of the oxen. Next verse. Or saith it all together for our sakes. This is for the body of Christ. And it says, for our sake, no doubt, it is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope. He that thresheth should, should be partaker of his hope. Next verse. If, ye have, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing that we should reap your carnal things? No. Carnal things are the least of value. Eternal life is what's important. And then it says this. If others be partakers of this power over you, we, are we not rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things least 
we should hinder the gospel of the king, the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should scarcely get by in poverty in the gospel. But how many pastors you know that have retired over the years? Quite a few of them. Have you ever seen the retirement home of denominations? What did they look like, bud? Shacks. These are the men that have built denominations retiring in shacks. Shame on the denomination. Shame on every believer in every church in that denomination. Is that how we retire the men that have led us in the things of the kingdom? Is that how we... I have seen wives put out on the street in 30 days because their husbands died preaching the gospel. I'm telling you, I... It is a shame. We can no longer hold back our hearts and no longer let our treasures be built and established in this earth. We are headed for eternal life. The kingdom of God is the most important thing in our life. You hear me? The kingdom of God is the most important thing in our life. Now again, I understand. You can go down the road and find another little church that's dug your little niche. You can go there. You just go there and die. But the day of reckoning is coming. And we need to be wholehearted towards God. We must believe that there is an end to the kingdom. And there is an end to this world. And we have got to do what the body Bible tells us to do concerning our finances and concerning our lives. Could it get an amen? That doesn't mean you can't go to Arby's and eat today or wherever you want to go eat. You go eat. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you. Eat. What I'm telling you, when your responsibilities come, you fulfill them. Yep. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm Peter Dosak, and I approve of this message. I do. I approve of it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. Is there somebody here that has a, a child that is deaf in one ear or both ears? If, if that is your child, please go get that child and bring that child to me, will you? If a child is deaf and uh, totally... Is that you? Okay, go get him. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes people... Are the, says, honey, people just think you pull stuff out of, the, out of the air. I do. It's called from heaven. Yeah, it's called from heaven. Remember that time I said, somebody here's got a golf ball? That woman just had a golf. Who in the world brings golf balls to church? She don't even golf. Listen, I'm telling you, God knows everything about us. Hallelujah. Were you with me in a, a 
down by Wheelersburg, Vicki Bay's church, and I called out. I said, there's a girl here who has $26 in her pocket. You don't have a penny. You don't have a dime. You have nothing. You have $26 in your pocket. The girl stood up, and she said, that's all I've got. I said, well, this is what the Lord said to you about your $26. You, listen, God knows everything. I'm telling you, God knows everything. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. We are all transformed. We are all transformed. You know, I, I thought to myself after last week, I said, God, you know, you uh, gave me money, and I, I just spent the money without asking, God, what would you give me this for? You know, and I, really, I just, I missed the Lord. I could have blessed somebody and multiplied what he'd already given me. But I went ahead and spent it. But I learned last week, you know what? I should ask, God, do you want this to go someplace? And I just realized that there were areas of my life that I have not abandoned to God. And I want, I want to be a Christian. I don't want to be a half one. I want to be an all 100%. I want to be as Jesus said, if you'll be perfect, then give it and inherit eternal life. That's what I want. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands up towards heaven. Just worship God while this miracle is coming. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you sing that song? Go ahead. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let us receive him now. Moving among the Hallelujah. Oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I loose the working of miracles, God, into these nerve endings. 
Shenila Burisimbi Shata Gindesinta. God grow these nerve endings, activate them, make them alive in the name of Jesus, extend them, touch them, God, to the ear system, the sound system of this ear. In the name of Jesus, I loose the working of miracles. Be open. I loose the working of miracles. Be open. You hear that? Yes. Jesus. able to do that before? Some. 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 Now, do you look like your dad? Yes. Are you glad you do? You'll grow up to regret that. <laughs> so, uh, are you hearing pretty good now? Tell me what you're hearing. You hear pretty good? Yes. You do? You think your dad ought to buy you a new bicycle? Hey, how about if I buy you a new bicycle? Hey, I'd rather get a new one. Okay, um, all right. I think I'll just go to Walmart and buy him a new bicycle and then bring me the bill and I'll pay you today, okay? Okay. Sam, okay? All right. Okay, you're going to get a new bicycle. Is that good? Is that good? Okay, there you go. Come on, somebody. Shout hallelujah. Jesus is still alive. Hallelujah.